Welcome into The Scoop on Life with Lauren. I'm Chase, and we are excited uh, to be back with you again this week. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about foster care and adoption the last few weeks. We're going to continue on with that today as we talk to Herbie Newell, the president and executive director of Lifeline Children's Services, also the author of the new book, Image Bearers, uh, that I have here. Looking forward to reading that book. But Herbie, thanks for taking time with us today. Chase and Lauren, it's a pleasure to be with you guys and to talk about these important topics. And, and as we all know, as a believer, life is central to our ethic of, of, of who we are. Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. God made life in his image. And so as a believer, even the way it, it, we inform to make the gospel known is, is all about our view of the sanctity of life. So what a, what a privilege. Absolutely. Thank you. And so tell us just a little bit about what Lifeline is uh, for those who don't know, and then what moved you to be involved with foster care and adoption? So Lifeline is a ministry that was founded in 1981, and really what our aim is to bring gospel hope to vulnerable children as well as their families and network. So uh, our heart is to, is to bring gospel hope to them, to, to show the gospel, to manifest this gospel. And we do that in lots of different ways. Uh, we do that through traditional uh, birth parent ministry, where we love on women that are going through crisis pregnancies, helping them and discipling them to know what the best choice and avenue is for their child. And so to bring gospel hope to that child is to love well on that birth mother, uh, even if she's going to parent or if she's in a place for adoption. We work with adoptive parents, both uh, for an international as well as domestic adoption. We also work in the foster care system in many states in the Southeast where we're helping match uh, children with families. There's, there's a great need for families, uh, but we're also working back with those birth families to try to seek reunification. And so we have a program called Families Count, which is a part of our uh, reunification program of helping these birth parents get their children back and not just as an act to get their children back, but to, to do it in a holistic type of way where they're being ministered to to be able to thrive and survive. We also do uh, international orphan care, uh, trying to be as strategic as possible by connecting uh, orphans around the world back to local churches in their countries of origin and, and, and to really equip that local church to manifest the gospel to those children. And then last but certainly not least, we do a counseling and education ministry where we were trying to resource the church, resource families, um, and equip families who either adopted or fostered uh, to have a holistic view of this. So our aim as a ministry is not just to help a child in the interim. Our aim as a ministry is to disciple that child in the hope of the gospel. So sometimes that our vehicle for that is through an adoptive family. Sometimes our vehicle through that is through our counseling. And all the time our vehicle for that is the local church. So we really want to see believers uh, equipped to do the work of this ministry. And you mentioned birth families a little bit, but could you talk for just a second about Lifeline's um, relationship with birth mom, I guess, specifically once she um, does make an adoption or foster care decision? Yeah. And, you know, even going back to the question that Chase asked there at the end is how did I, I get engaged in foster care and adoption? It really goes back to that question, Lauren, because my wife, Ashley, was uh, the pregnancy test center director at the Save Life in Birmingham, Alabama. And I was an accountant uh, working, doing debits and credits and all kinds of things in the business environment. And our dinner table, as we talked about, it became almost a, a, a prayer room for these women that were walking through these crisis situations. 
uh, in a confidential way, she would bring these stories to me and literally we would just pray for these women, uh, for comprehensive care, for the decisions they were making, that they would choose life. And, and the Lord started to wrestle in our heart that, that as a family, we were called to do something uh, holistically and to do something uh, strategically for these women. And the Lord ended up through a journey of prayer and seeking him, leading our family and myself specifically to Lifeline. And the thing that we loved about Lifeline 17 years ago when I came was the commitment to the birth mother, that that this was a ministry that didn't just believe in transactions, but really wanted to walk out life with these women to help assure that they were going to choose life. But then even after they made that decision, make sure that they, as a life that God created in his image, uh, were, were hearing the gospel, were being counseled, were being loved, were being cared for. And that's what I'm proud to say for 40 years we've continued to do is to say, we want to make sure that these women are loved and cared for. And as a pro-life ministry, I think a lot of times, you know, out in the fringes, especially with pro-choice people, they like to label pro-life people as only caring about the baby and not caring about the woman. But a full-life pro-life ethic is we care about the woman and we care about the baby. Both lives are important and both lives need to be advocated for, both lives need to be cared for. So as a ministry, we walk life with, if a lady does place for adoption, we make a lifelong commitment to her that we're going to be there for her, resource her, to provide her with counsel and the support that she needs to be successful. If she chooses to parent, we want to make sure that we connect her either with a local church partner or a crisis pregnancy or a pregnancy resource center that's going to make the same commitment that we're going to love on this this family. Um, we're going to love on this mom and this child because ultimately, and, and I know you guys agree, as pro-life people called to a biblical ethic, we're not called just to see a life born and then to move on transacting to the next. We're, we're, we're called to see life lived to the fullest and to live abundantly. And we all know that that can only happen through and with the gospel of Christ Jesus. Well, that's really encouraging to hear you say, because the couple we had on last week on the podcast literally talked about that exact thing. Like our tendency, especially in Southern America, where we are just to say like, oh, we're pro-life, vote pro-life. But then it's like, oh, once the baby's born, oh, great. You know, okay, well, what are we doing then about being pro-life and being pro-life caring for, as you talked about, you know, that birth mom, like she is a life also created in God's image who needs love and care and she needs ultimately the truth of the gospel you know um and one thing herbie last week that um bradley said in our interview he said foster care is an expression of gospel hospitality hospitality is opening your home your wallet your friendships and your schedule to people who are severely in need and can never pay you back and he went on to say so i guess adoption is the ultimate expression of hospitality and so kind of hearing that from him last week really got me thinking about um our role as believers uh, to extend hospitality in foster care and adoption situations. And so I would just ask you, what would you say and what you've seen even working with churches, what would you say is the church's biblical and right response um, to orphan care? And maybe how have you seen the church respond both well and poorly to that need? Yeah, that's a great question. And certainly something, especially with our mission and what we feel led to do is to equip churches um, because we believe that it was God's driven ideal for the church to be the place uh, that would be the most pro-life, that would be caring for the vulnerable, that would be caring for the outcast. You walk throughout the Old Testament and you see over and over again, God telling his covenant people, 
you know, when you go through your fields, Deuteronomy chapter 24, don't go and strip them bare, but leave the excess for the, the widow, the stranger, the alien, the orphan. Uh, you see throughout God's word in Ruth, you see a practical example of what that looks like as Boaz takes care of Ruth, who's a stranger. She's an alien. She's a widow. And quite honestly, she's an orphan. And she wanders into Boaz's field and he takes care of her and he clothes her and he feeds her and he provides for her. He speaks tenderly to her. He cares for her. And then you see in the New Testament that that it's double down, that pure and undefiled religion is to care, is to do this gospel hospitality uh, for, for orphans and widows. I think what the church struggles with at times, and, and I hope that the Lord has used our ministry in this way, is I don't think it's a lack of want to, I think it's a lack of know-how. So the church thinks, well, if we can get foster parents and adoptive parents then we're doing our duty, but then they fail to see that there are other things that need to be done. And and I liken it to, and, and, and I certainly don't wanna make light of this, right? But as the church and specifically the Southern church, we kind of know what to do when someone loses a loved one, right? We, we take them food, you know, we, we love on them. We, we tell them we're there. We, we have our protocols for if someone loses a loved one. And we know instinctively that that pain of losing a loved one is going to persist. But we also know, unfortunately, uh, this whole adage that time heals all wounds. And so we have this idea that after time passes, they're going to be okay. We check on them less, but we're still checking on them. We're making sure they're okay. I look and say the hospitality that's needed for orphans, vulnerable children, foster kids and orphans is so much greater than that because a child that has been separated from their biological parent is dying a death every day, right? Because that's not what God intended. It's not what Christ intended for a child to be separated from their biological family. And so even as a ministry that does life, that does adoption, I would tell you 100%, we're looking to, to, to look at strategic solutions for brokenness. Wholeness is when a family is together and wholeness is when a family is thriving together. Adoption is the response that we come in when those things are so broken, they can't continue the way they were meant to be. And so we need to look at those situations and remember when there's a situation like this, there's brokenness, there's death, there's hurt, there's pain. And so as the church, we need to be bringing meals to foster families. We need to be loving on foster families. We need to be willing to raise up folks that will support those foster families by wrestling with them in prayer, by being support and relief to them, by volunteering to take their children out for an outing. We need to be coming around adopted families with some of that same support, realizing that when they bring this child in, there, there's, there's, deep, there's, there's hurt, there's trauma that sometimes comes in there. But then as the church, we need to also look and step back and say, hey, there are children that are struggling in our community that aren't yet at the place where they're being separated from their families. So how do we advocate for these families that are struggling? How do we advocate for these families that are at risk of being separated into the foster? care system. And then we look at those families that have already lost their kids and we start to say, how do we lean in a little bit more and love on that single mom, love on that single dad, love on that broken family to help them bring wholeness. And so, you know, I could go in and say there are churches the ones that do it the best are the ones that realize that the call is not just for those, those, those few that are called to actually foster or adopt, but the call is for four-year-olds all the way to 80-year-olds, and they're finding a way to do that. And so uh, typically some of those are smaller churches where in their, you know, in their ministry to their preschoolers and their children, they're preparing their children and their preschoolers to welcome in new people. 
um, to welcome in kids that that may not be from around there. They have a hospitality type ma- mindset where where they're literally four year olds are on mission to care for another four year old that may be there for foster care, and they've got the older that are that are giving wisdom to those that are fostering to those that are adopting they're providing wisdom to biological parents you've got maybe women that are knitting blankets and 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 you know putting things together that helps there's there's a holistic hospitality and so i think the churches that do it best are the ones that realize there's something we can all do this is a project for us to do and it's 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 part of our gospel proclamation by caring for the most vulnerable those that don't do it well I think are those that get overwhelmed and try to tackle this whole big issue. Um, they read a book and see, well, that church was able to help 200 kids. We want to help 300 kids. I think when we try to think of it in too large of a term, that's when churches start to, 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 to not be able to be, do anything effective. And so I think what it is, it's let's, let's look at the one child, the one family, and let's do as much as we can for that one child and that one family. And I'll say this to close. If in the United States, every church would do something for just one child and one family, then our foster care system would be completely exonerated because the church would be taking care of that issue. So for churches that are listening, I would say focus on what's in front of you, not trying to make some big national organizational movement that's going to make a map. Well, that's helpful because instead of, like you said, trying to view this huge, like viewing the foster care system as this big problem to be solved to say, who are the people right around me who are already engaged in foster care, you know, and how can I, as we've been talking about, extend hospitality, both to that child who is in foster care and the family that's choosing to foster. And so that's, it's definitely helpful to think about like that. And as we talked about uh, again last week, viewing it as a mission, like these people are on mission and how can we come alongside them and and lock arms with them as they're on mission. That's awesome. And Herbie, for those, uh, maybe some of our listeners who have heard these stories of of foster parents and uh, they're thinking maybe this is, you know, what I'm called to do. How can Lifeline help families who are considering foster care adoption? Yeah, so we are going to walk alongside of these families and help them either adopt or help them foster whatever the Lord has called them to do. Uh, there's a key crux of our ministry that that is going to do everything they need. So from the screening to the education, to the home study, to the matching, to the placement, but also to the training and to the equipping. And so because we believe that adoptive families are a part of our ultimate mission, uh, we're looking for gospel-driven families who see uh, adoption and they see foster care as an opportunity to do what the Lord calls all parents to do, which is to raise up their children in the love and admonition of the Lord, discipling them in the way that they should go. And so we're going to equip those families to be able to navigate these waters and navigate those complexities, ultimately, with our hope and our prayer and our aim, that they'll be able to introduce them to the marvelous grace of Christ Jesus. And so we want to love on those families. We want to prepare them well. We want to equip them well. We want to serve them well. Uh, knowing that this is a this is an interesting and a tough journey at times, and certainly over this last year, uh, twenty twenty, where you have you know COVID nineteen and this global pandemic that's going on, you know we've been we've been very humbled about the things the Lord has allowed us to do to be able to support adopted families who are going into hospitals to to adopt children who uh, you know these hospitals that are you know war zones because of a global pandemic we've. We've, we've been able to send families overseas in the midst of uh, quarantines, in the midst of tests, to be able to bring children home. 
And so it's continuing that work and allow, seeing the Lord allow us to encourage them, to pray for them, um, and to equip them to be able to do the work that they are, are ultimately called to do, which is to disciple these children. And so what I would also tell adopted or foster families is that adoption and foster care is akin to spiritual warfare, right? Um, these children, in my opinion, are some of the most vulnerable on the planet. They're without the protection of a family. Uh, and, and, and if you look at the statistics, even of kids in foster care, over 70% will end up in our criminal justice system, over 70%. And then when you extrapolate even further, 80% of the kids in foster care in our country today, 80% had at least one parent that, had, uh, that, that was in the foster care system. So if you start to think about that, it's a systemic cycle. Well, when our adversary, the devil, has a systemic cycle like that, and we as the church come to bring the light of the hope of the gospel to break cycles, we can expect attack. And so as a ministry, we believe that part of what we've been called to do is also to surround these families with love, support, and prayer as they go into what we believe is spiritual warfare. Well, and we... Um... As a, as a podcast, we cannot recommend Lifeline enough. If you are um, even just curious about what the foster care system and adoption looks like, check out Lifeline's website. They've got a lot of helpful things on there. You can see a lot of the people they have on staff working for them. But if you are considering foster care or adoption or just have questions, reach out to Lifeline. Um, we really recommend them and what they're about. Very gospel-centered. Um, and, Herbie, just appreciate your wisdom on all those things. Herbie Newell, he is the president and executive director of Lifeline Children's Services. Herbie, thanks so much for taking some time with us here. Absolutely, Chase and Lauren. It was a delight. Really enjoyed our conversation there with Herbie Newell, the president and executive director of Lifeline uh, Children's Service. And uh, he also authors the book Image Bears. Uh, so we thank him for taking some time with us here on the scoop on life and we thank you for taking time to listen in this week and i want to remind you of the ways you can listen of course on the apple podcast app uh, we're on spotify and youtube so just search for the scoop on life on those three platforms and you can listen in each week uh, to our brand new episodes that we put out also uh, check us out on social media yes we are on facebook and instagram so you can check out our uh, social media pages there uh, like them, follow them, and uh, keep up to date with everything we have going on with the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week with more of The Scoop on Life.